Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. She's a B2B copywriter and founder of Pippin Copywriting Limited. She writes for businesses of all shapes and sizes from one-person consultancies to multinational corporations. She started her career in marketing and was a marketing manager for several publishers, the most famous of which was Oxford University Press. She moved to Herefordshire in 2004 to work part-time as a web copywriter in a web design agency and part-time as a freelance copywriter. Eight years later, she quit the day job to found Pippin and work for herself full-time. 1st of July 2022 will mark Pippin's 10th anniversary and coincidentally another very special day for our guest today. She is Catherine Avery. Hello, Catherine. Hi, Dan. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. How about you? Yeah, very well, thank you. And uh, thank you very much for coming in oh, and doing thank this. you for the invitation it's uh yeah you're prob- probably the most local guest yeah. so far oh no almost because we've had uh tom tom uh, he is slightly beginning. closer isn't he is he yeah. slightly closer i think just. so yes i, I set off i left the house at quarter to nine and i think i was here at about ten to nine so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's probably like a matter of feet closer yeah. than you but uh yeah no thank you uh just before we get started your website is hellopippin.co.uk yep and you're on the LinkedIn, I am. so people can uh, connect with you there. Um, well, first of all, what, what's uh, Pippin? So when I started the business, uh, I really wanted to work with food and drink businesses. Uh, okay. And so I wanted to find a business name that kind of had some kind of food connection to it. Okay. And there's loads of different apple varieties in Herefordshire and Worcestershire uh, that are like Cox's Orange Pippin is obviously the most famous one. Right. And I just thought it was a really nice name. And so it was it was Pippin Consultancy until a couple of years ago. And then I changed the name to Pippin Copywriting when right. I admitted to myself that copywriting was all I did. And I was <laughs> definitely a copywriter and I should not be ashamed of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, cool. We used to have a house called Pippin's when I was little. Uh. Um, like the second house I lived in, I think. <laughs> it's, I can't remember why it was called that now. No, and there's there was also there's also I think for for people of a certain age, you've got children of a certain age. There was a, a television program with a dog called Pippin in it, and so uh, they, everybody right? I get they did you call your company after Pippin the dog? And I was, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the apple. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, right, so you, you, you said in the intro that um, you moved here in 2004. Yeah. What, what, where did you start life? Uh, so I grew up in Swindon, uh, uh-huh. and my mum's parents lived in Ledbury, so we always used to come up to Ledbury. Uh, uh, okay, and I always gotcha. used to think that when I'm grown up, I really want to live in Ledbury. Uh, right. And <laughs> then finally, at the age of 28, I thought, okay, well, you are now grown up. <laughs> you can now move to Ledbury. Uh, and... As you know, coincidence, coincidentally, a job came came up just outside Ledbury, and it seemed like the perfect opportunity to, to come right, and relocate okay. and, and, and live here, where I kind of always, it, it's always felt like home, even though it right. isn't, strictly speaking, home. Yeah, okay, yeah. but not too far uh, no, down the road. So no. did you, did you, were you living in, in Swindon until you were 28? Or? No, so I went, uh, I was in Swindon until I was 18, and I went to university in Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, came back home for about a year, I think. And then got my first publishing job in London. Right. I was in London for a few years, then Oxford for a few years, mm-hmm. and then moved out here. So uh, slowly okay. moving west each time. And was it always kind of English and languages and things that was your your forte? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that it's, I always had my head in a book when I was growing up. I was definitely a, an, in, an indoors child. I was talking to somebody last week and they were talking about they're doing their duke of edinburgh award when they were at school and it it was the sort of thing that never appealed to me at the time (laughs) (laughs) and and, and they were describing going you know going across the north york moors and i couldn't think of anything worse at the time (laughs) when i was 16 so yeah i was definitely definitely a a reader and and yeah and did you get on well with school and everything yeah i was a i was a bit of a swat at school i I enjoyed school i enjoy learning i still enjoy learning now yeah 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 yeah, definitely and then what did you study at university english english yeah Yeah. Yeah. all the way way. yeah it was it was um it just sort of came by default it was you know what are you going to study at university if and 
English was the only thing that kind of sprang to mind that I really wanted to do. Right, um, okay. Um, what was interesting is that I got to university and um, after three years of reading three books a week, you kind of fall out of love with reading. <laughs> and right. Okay. So there was, yeah, there were a number of years after university where, yeah, I wasn't it so interested. In, yeah, it was, I was tired of reading. That, do you so think that's because you were kind of told to read which books you definitely to read yeah and, by choice. and you, you you stop reading for enjoyment you start reading to kind of to be able to analyze the text and talk about the text rather yeah. than just getting caught up in the story so yeah you, yeah you, it's a different start, thing yeah it, definitely yeah three books a week I, could, I don't know i could uh, i don't know how i did it I, that. <laughs> I do remember an awful lot of just lying on the bed reading and reading yeah yeah okay yeah because i did engineering and we were always like oh they you know the, the English students and the history students—they don't have any lectures or anything. <laughs> no, it's because like, we're just desperately reading, re- trying to get through three books a, a week. Definitely, yeah. Talking to my father, and he did geology, and he said he was yeah. in lectures pretty much nine till five every day. And I'm yeah, like, no, I think we had about five hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then yeah, epic amounts. I know. I always, yeah. uh, I always laugh because um, we once got set an essay to do in our engineering degree, and. Um, it was yeah. I don't. I don't think there was hardly any other essays that we ever had to do. You know, because it was always like solving yeah, maths problems yeah, yeah. and things. And uh, this one essay that we got set was a thousand words, and um, we had to do it in a team of four as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then all the English students are doing like you know twenty thousand words. Yeah, or it's it's, but, well, yeah. it's funny now when I kind of look back, and I, I never did a dissertation. Um, right. And so it sort of scared me the idea of writing so many thousand words whereas now it's completely second nature to me to put together three four thousand words and yeah it's amazing yeah, how yeah. you lose that fear of a thousand words yeah. <laughs> can you count the quotes that you're going to use in that <laughs> will, will footnotes also count in that word, word number? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i suppose the, the thing with the uh, uni i suppose and, and school maybe is that you're Unless I was just probably rubbish, but you're always trying to get to that number on you instead of like. <laughs> Definitely. Now you're sort of probably trying to reduce it down, and that's the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Well, so yeah. Some things you're writing for, it is a okay. I've got to get 750 words out of this. How am I going to do this? And other times, it's gosh, there's so much to say. It just flows, and then you've got yeah, to condense, condense it down. down. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, Okay, so you basically sort of knew what you wanted to do, or was it just like I enjoy English and reading, and yeah, so I'm going to do that? Very much. So I, I, I was very, I was academic. So it was obvious to do A levels. It was obvious to go to university, and then at 21, I was, I there was a moment of horror of well, what happens now? I've kind of fallen <laughs> off this conveyor belt of education. <laughs> um, and the, you know, it was the obvious thing to do was, oh, I really like books, I really like reading. Oh, publishing, that right. sounds like a, a good thing to do. Uh, yeah. So it really was as simple as that. That was, yeah. just sort of fell into publishing. Just be um, around books more. Yeah, exactly. So what was your first job out of uni? Uh, so very first job out of uni was uh, working on a switchboard at House of Fraser. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I decided that publishing was where I wanted to go. Yeah, got some work experience via a friend at um, the Open University Press, mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved it. Uh, right. And that was a, just a useful thing to have on your CV to show that you know I was I was really keen to get into publishing because it is it's a relatively hard profession to get into because yeah. English graduates want to go and work in publishing. What, what does it actually involve, like day to day and that sort of job? So, um, so I was in the marketing side of it. So it, you know, okay. it's essentially like any marketing job. I mm-hmm. never, I never got into the editorial side of things where you're you're picking books and, and working right. with authors. So, I didn't ever see that side of things. Right. Okay. Um, but my yeah. So I would I was applying for publishing jobs, any publishing job that I could see. Yeah. Uh, and I got an interview for a, a tiny publisher in London. Right. Okay. Published social care books. Okay. Uh, and I was a marketing assistant there and then worked up to marketing manager. Right. Moved okay. on. Yeah. And what sort of marketing were you doing? It was time? direct marketing. So it was, um, it was essentially junk mail. Right. So okay. <laughs> it, was, it was writing sales letters, writing leaflets, uh, writing press releases. Um, right. Okay. And, you know, pulling together mailing lists of people that would be interested in the books. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. Quite, quite like useful stuff, though, I'd imagine looking back now it's definitely yeah it's really useful stuff I, I'm really glad that I started my career in marketing and and kind of learned about using words to sell stuff rather than using words to be creative or to sound beautiful you know mm. words are really practical things and they're they're what you use to they're selling tools so yeah. I'm, I'm glad I've got that background and kind of understanding how marketing works and yeah can use that. yeah yeah and now. did you enjoy living in London 
by you doing that? Um, no. No? No, I, don't, I never wanted to move to London. It just became clear that that's where the, the publishing industry is in London, so that's where I'm going to have to end up. Yeah, sure. Uh, but when you're, when you're in publishing at the beginning of your career, you have no money. And I was, I was living in a, in a grotty part of London and commuting to a grotty part of London, and, and you never got to see... <laughs> the, you know, and you were always too busy shuttling between the two to go and kind of see London, so... Right, Whenever yeah. I go back to London now, I really love it because you're staying in nicer parts of London and you're doing the fun things rather than commuting on the tube. Yeah, yeah. So, Rent walking over um, streets paved with gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, yeah, I like, I like going and enjoying the hustle and bustle of London now, but also really glad to get away from it and come back and get off the train and go. Ah, oh, here we are, back yeah. in the fresh air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a different pace isn't it's it just, like, especially Herefordshire because it's pretty absolutely I th- when, even when I moved to Oxford I was just astonished at how much slower the pace of life really? was and how much slower the pace of work was I was like wow okay this is a, this is a huge difference and then like, yeah Herefordshire again so much more laid back and yeah and yeah do you think that's uh do you think we sort of fall behind at all as a result of that or uh, do you think we're doing all right I, just, I think there's pros and cons isn't there I think we're just so much more relaxed out here Life does feel easier for for me certainly out here. Um, right, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think I did hear once somebody said uh, Herefordshire is the place where ambition comes to die, and I thought oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that's true, and it's certainly not true for me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, it, it seems like there's not that much going on, but once you start scratching below the surface, I mean, this podcast's been a great example of that, but also, uh, you know, the clients that. I've had over the years you're suddenly like wow that goes on Definitely. just around the corner Absolutely. in Herefordshire yeah and, uh, I remember yeah when I worked in the web design agency we were working with local companies and it's genuinely astonishing to me the, the the businesses that are out there doing things that you've never thought of and making a massive success of it and yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's some world-class businesses just around the Definitely. corner aren't they hidden in the Herefordshire countryside yeah, yeah, yeah. have you always lived in this area no no I grew up near Cambridge originally so uh, yeah I suppose a similar similar yeah. kind of thing but bit faster and then moved down to Bristol for a couple of years which is sort of city village feel yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then yeah and then moved up this yeah. way so. but um yeah cool okay so what once you were sort of through the what what made you leave the uh, the marketing position that you got to in the was it London or? <laughs> it was so. I, yeah, I moved out of London because I wanted to get out of London, uh, and yeah. a job came up in Oxford, so I came came to Oxford. Um, I think there was a. It was a partly a sense that I was okay at marketing, but I never felt like it was my absolute passion, and that it was going to gotcha. be something that I could forge a proper career in. Right. Um, and I, but I'd also become aware that all of the writing I did for work was something that I was, that was clearly a strength for me rather than that, you know, I could, I could run a campaign and I could run it on time and I could run it on budget, mm. but it just wouldn't, you know, it would, and it would be fine, but nobody yeah. would get really excited about it. But the writing parts of it, so putting together that leaflet, writing that sales letter, that was a real strength. And, right. you know, other people in the department would come to me to kind of ask me to check stuff or offer ideas and, and you know, help them <laughs> with writing stuff. And I suddenly, you know, really naively, I didn't even know there was a job where you could just do the writing part of marketing. <laughs> and so that, I, I don't even know how I realized it, but suddenly realized that there was an entire job where that's what you did. You just did the writing part of it uh, and kind of was intrigued by that. And this was 2000 and I yeah, it would have been 2003, 2004. The yeah. web was just kind of really, really taking off. Yeah. And that was that was also interesting to me and so a job came up being a copywriting for the web it seemed like too good an opportunity to turn down right okay um and at this you know at, at the same time i kind of always knew that i wanted to work for myself at some stage did you yeah so why is that my my dad did it my granddad yeah. did it okay. um so I'd, I'd always sort of seen it as a it was kind of there in my world as an option yeah. and I'm a control freak. Um, <laughs> and, and, An honest control uh, yeah. freak. <laughs> and also, you know, I'm, I'm okay by myself, kind of self-starting and getting myself going. So I always knew that that right, was an option. Okay. And so the the idea of a, of a part-time role where I knew I was going to get a salary so I'd be able to pay the rent 
and that would be covered and I could then sort of freelance on the side for the other half of the week. That seemed yeah. like a really easy way in knowing that okay, I, so. was, I was never going to become destitute because I'd have the job, but yeah. then I could slowly build up. Okay, so that was always the plan when it was, when, a, it was when, when the opportunity came up, I could see that that was a, a good route to go. And I was like, okay, now is the time to start doing that. Yeah, got you. Okay. What did your dad do then? Uh, dad is, um, is an XML consultant. So XML is like HTML, but even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's an extraordinary man. And yeah, my brother as well. They're both really great at programming and coding. That's something... It's just genuinely astonishing to me. Right, okay, so different sort of language. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he'd, again, I suppose, I guess, looking back, it would have been a similar age to me when I started working for myself. He right. decided that was the time he needed to to work for himself and set out on his own. Right, okay, okay. So, um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like with the, like you said, you never knew that copywriting was a thing that you could do. We we don't sort of get told all the options, do we? No, no, no. I, I don't know how you actually let kids know what all the options are, really, because I suppose they're so vast that yeah. you've almost got to say, well, you can basically do anything you want. Absolutely. But, um, um, we kind of get told the more traditional... The, definitely. I, rem- I remember I, was, I did some mock interviewing with some sixth formers um, earlier on this week, and I was talking to one of the other people interviewing and I was recalling when I did one of those kind of careers questionnaires that you did, you know, find your ideal career, yeah. and fill in your strengths and weaknesses. Um, I got to the end of it and it said, there are no jobs where you don't get to work with anybody on you and you just get to work on your own. Go back and do this questionnaire again. Really? <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, fair enough. I went back and, you know, and you're absolutely right. The things that came back with were, you know, library assistant, editorial assistant. And it was all of, yeah, just these, yeah. these, these kind of careers that, yeah. I mean, I suppose that said, like, there's a lot of jobs now which just didn't exist, sort of, when we were younger. Definitely. As well, yeah. I mean, and there's that, is it of some a McKinsey report that says, you know, that the jobs that our children will be doing don't exist yet. They haven't even yeah. been invented as, a, <laughs> as an idea. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so how did you then get to the point of kind of deciding to make the transition to full time with the copywriting? What was the. Again, it was, it was slightly kind of forced on me. Uh, so the, the company that I moved to work with was a startup. Um, and we, you know, we did it, we were there for, I was there for eight years, I think, was it eight years? Yeah. Um, and it became clear that it wasn't going to survive. Oh, right, uh, okay. And I needed to make the leap before I was pushed. Right. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of one of those things that for years I'd been saying to people, oh, I really want to work for myself full time. And and people would say, well, you know, why don't you just do it? And and it kind of never went in, <laughs> as these things never do, until the time was right. And then somebody said, and they said, well, what, you know, why don't you just work for yourself full time? And it and it finally went in. And it, yeah, why don't I work for myself full time? That's <laughs> that's a really good idea. <laughs> and, and kind of went home and and sort of did the maths and, and kind of worked out that what I was already earning from freelance I could just about survive on and it, it wouldn't right, be okay. much fun but it was doable yeah and yeah. so it would be okay to kind of make that leap yeah and I suppose it, mm-hmm. yeah at that stage it's kind of like like what someone said to me it's like if you had those extra three days how much more work could you go out and get exactly <laughs> anyway. yeah exactly yeah and I don't have to be quite so well I've only got two days a week and I'm afraid that they're already taken for the next few weeks so yeah you've, you've yeah open up so much more opportunity yeah, how did you sort of manage, um, you know, the clients that you took on and not getting too busy in your freelance part? Because what were you, do- were you doing three days a week, were you? Uh, so I, 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 st- I started, the, the contract started as three days a week, then it went up to four days a week, and then it went, mm. back, went down to two days a week eventually. Okay, um, right. And so I was, I was doing a lot of work at the weekend, evenings and weekends, mm. and that's, yeah, the way it worked. Yeah, yeah, conscious that you know I had to leave the office on time because I needed to get home to start the other job. <laughs> and were you just kind of like taking on whatever jobs you could get hold of at that stage? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I did when I first started. I was lucky in that um, when I first started the business, I did 
I did cold calling. I, so I cold called local businesses, uh, which was just excruciating. I hate it. Oh, it's oh, awful. Okay. Excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. And, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, one of those people that I called in 2004, I'm still working with today. Oh, really? And so I wow. was I was lucky that I had regular clients that were coming back to me. So I didn't have to do with two days a week or one day a week. You haven't got an awful lot of time to take on a lot of clients. So I was yeah. just working with a small handful of clients that came back week after week, month after month. Right, okay. And what would that be doing, kind of writing blog posts and things like blog that? Blog posts, or? articles, yeah, mm-hmm. press releases, yeah, anything really. And how, something that's always intrigued me about copywriting is, like, there's obviously, well, presumably, there's, like, a big sort of research phase that goes on as well. If you get told, can you go and write an article on XYZ? Yeah. It's like, well, okay, I can, but I don't know anything about it. So <laughs> yeah. is that phase kind of bigger than the actual writing phase. I mean pretty much yeah. yeah 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 so that's when I say I love learning I love copywriting because I get to do that research phase um right okay and you know for some clients they'll say they'll you know you'll interview people in the company and you'll get your information that way mm-hmm. you know the other places you'll then you'll go away and you'll do you do lots of googling essentially and lots of reading up um right and then I will typically come up with an art, an outline and a kind of angle for something and then take it back to the client to make sure I'm not way off beam and, yeah. and, and take it from there. Uh, yeah, okay, so, I got you. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of backwards and forwards. Yeah, definitely. And trying to add trying to add a new angle into something, but also you know, tapping into the expertise that's in the company already because there's no point me in reinventing the wheel or then when there's that real knowledge in-house that they, people can share with you. Because I think for, for lots of companies, the issue isn't that... The issue is mainly that we're really, really good at what we do, but when it comes to writing about it, that's the f- the stuff that we find tricky. Um, right. Okay. So gotcha. get, you know, once you, what you often find is that when I'll I'll interview a client, and they'll be absolutely fascinating, and they'll be completely passionate about what it is that they're doing, and you get really excited as well because you can see how excited <laughs> they are. Um, but if you ask them to write any of it down, all of that passion completely disappears, <laughs> and it becomes really cold and dry and think well hang on but yeah I knew I can tell that you're really excited about it and it's just that kind of fear of putting things down on paper and so yeah, yeah in, in lots of ways I think my role is kind of almost as a sort of translator and yeah 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 cause it's weird that isn't it um in a way like why that enthusiasm doesn't come through on paper yeah because, yeah, yeah. yeah like you say if it's there already you'd think yeah some wrote about it but there's something about that thing of translating your Definitely. thoughts or words into yeah and I think it's, it's almost I kind of I describe it like almost like stage fright and you suddenly think gosh how many people might be reading this thing that I've yeah, written and yeah. you get that <laughs> you get kind of paralyzed by fear and and you end up being really formal and, and really stiff in the way you write that you when you're talking yeah. one-on-one with somebody you don't yeah do you think okay yeah that makes a lot of sense actually so it's more like yeah the thought that people are going to be reading it because we have the same when we interview people on camera and, you know, they can be, like, the most enthusiastic and chilled and they're, like, they're really into it. And then you turn the camera on it, and yeah. they're just like, and they've, hello, uh, my name is... Yeah, like, yeah exactly, yeah. Where'd it go? <laughs> That's exactly what I do. And this is that moment of, like, oh, people are looking at me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, interesting. Okay, I hadn't really sort of thought about it like that in terms of the copywriting, yeah. but um, that's an interesting, interesting one. So when you... Um, I'm interested in the cold calling aspect because <laughs> firstly like how did you know to do that I suppose I was um really lucky in that when I just first started out um there wasn't do you remember business link an organization called business link I and I, I suppose do, yeah, it must yeah. I suppose there must be the local enterprise partnerships now but they were right. kind of that link between kind of local government and and the commercial world yeah and it ran the Business Link ran a week-long course on setting up your own business. Oh, right. A free okay. week-long course on setting up your own, own business in Hereford. Okay. So I moved up I moved up to Herefordshire one week, and I had two weeks before I started the job. And in that second week, I went and did this week-long course. And they right. talked about every aspect of setting up a business, like, you know, your, the, the legal structure of it, um, mm-hmm. how to market it, how to name it, how to you know, do all of the admin around it. And it was so valuable. And I, I think I must have I've picked it up there. And right. Just that, you know, you've got to go out, the, the, you know, you can't run a business without clients. You've got to get clients. And mm. So that's what you've got to do. And yeah, so I would I would sit down at my desk at nine o'clock and pick up the phone and 
just keep going. <laughs> what were your lines? Do you remember what you'd sort of say to people? I can't remember. I don't think they were very good. <laughs> I think they were pretty much, hello, would you like a freelance copywriter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, did the you know, job a couple of, and coincident, you know, a couple of clients said, actually, yeah, we do. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things I've never, never done it, but I kind of wish that I could. Do you know what I mean? And I don't even know quite where to start. Um, I d- yeah, I mean, it was as basic as yellow pages, looking yeah. <laughs> up marketing agencies and then almost kind of setting your real self aside and going, okay, you've got to do this thing. And yeah, become a sort of pull on a different persona and, and phone up to do it. Why do you think we find that so hard? I know, I don't know. It's so true, <laughs> isn't it? I've, I, went, I went on a, a sales course and they talked about the thousand pound iPhone, it's like the heaviest thing in the world when you've got to make that call to somebody that you don't know and the, the phone becomes the heaviest thing in, in your world and I can completely relate to that. And yeah, yeah. Do you th- what do you think it is though? Because I, I feel like it's maybe something we're brought up with culturally to kind of not be... Because it's not the showing off thing that we're told not to do, but it's kind of the, I don't know, the asking thing or yeah, something, Yeah, definitely. Isn't it? The, and then the, the fear of rejection as well. And if, yeah, if somebody yeah. says no... It's, a, it's really easy to take it personally and like, well, they, you know, they don't like me. They didn't think I was any good. And it wasn't just actually, no, we don't need a freelance copywriter at the moment. No matter who called us, we wouldn't need yeah. that person at the moment. And, but it, it, yeah, I do remember being after, you know, hours of rejection. It would be, you know, you do take quite a battering and you do have to say, okay, it's not me personally. And yeah, sometimes yeah. that works as a strategy and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, I know, yeah, it's absolutely and absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that's more the thing than the fear of rejection is the biggest? Yeah, and also the the, and also I think you're right. The kind of putting yourself forward and putting sort of almost showing off. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I once did an exercise just to make myself do it, where I went round to some businesses like in person. Yeah. Walked in and said it was it was a few number of years ago when I was sort of pushing doing headshots a bit more, and I just would walk in and say I'm a headshot photographer and. Like it was really hard the first couple yeah. of times, and then you kind of got into it. Yeah. And then, then I think there was a bit of a dip. I was like, I don't want to do this. Still, <laughs> don't want to do this. Yeah. And tried yeah. to kind of push through it. And but, yeah, um, and there's a sort of sense you walk into somewhere or you you phone up somewhere and you kind of ugh. <laughs> I think it comes across in your presentation. You know, like you you don't want a headshot photographer, do you? No, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but then I kind of then you kind of come back to like, well, how much do I want this to work? Exactly. Yeah. So, how much do you actually want it? Definitely. Yeah. If you're not going to go and do that, then yeah. How do you know that that moment of that realization that if you know marketing essentially is taking stuff to your market, and so if people don't know that you're there, you could be the best copywriter in the world, but if nobody knows you exist, you you know you haven't got a business. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? Um, Yeah. I kind of I, I I kind of wish I'd have done that really at the beginning because I think I was a bit more sort of. Is passive the word? You'll tell me if it's a yeah, word. No, but and kind of you put things out on social media yeah. and you're sort of hoping someone's going to see it. A Definitely, bit yeah. It and takes then, forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and you, and, you, and that again, kind of almost making a noise, and you you think you're making an enormous amount of noise about yourself, but you're not yeah, really like in there. In the, you're a little exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did you how did you first kind of get clients? Uh, well, my very, very first client was Hay Wines in Ledbury. Oh. Um, not long after I'd brought a camera, really, and we closed down, um, you know, Poppy's shop. Yeah. And um, Poppy was in there buying some wine, and she just chatting to, to Jane, who runs it. And Jane was saying, oh, we're having this website built, and we've got to take all these photos. I don't know how to do it. And Poppy said, oh, Dan, I'm sure Dan will be up for coming and having a go. <laughs> So I did, and uh, I just I just said right, you know, no pressure. I'll just have a go. I've never done it before. Yeah. See what I can do, and produce something that was you know good enough um, at the time with the basic kit I had, and um, yeah, and we kind of agreed a, a a price that was very low at the time. So I was like, <laughs> I can't charge. <laughs> I don't want to charge, sort of thing. I don't think I charged for like even the shooting time at that at that time. But they gave yeah. me gave me a bottle of wine, which felt almost more in a way (laughs) it's amazing what you learn really quickly isn't it about charging (laughs) yeah yeah and then um 
yeah and then I don't think I picked up any other clients for a long time after that yeah. because I mean I did a bit of that where I shot about 2,000 bottles I think in the first oh wow few months okay <laughs> so that was that was enough <laughs> that was enough I was doing you know doing the full-time yeah, engineering yeah. job so it was like Friday afternoons yeah. go there and then yeah just started learning learning more and that's a good question about picking up clients, actually. I, th I think in the very early days, I sort of went towards wedding photography because you sort of think that's what photographers do. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they shoot weddings. <laughs> and so I started doing that a bit and picked up a couple of weddings, but not really very much because I wasn't really into the marketing side. Like, no. You know, writing copy saying how beautiful the bride and groom looked wasn't really <laughs> my bag. So then I moved over to the sort of commercial stuff. But yeah. um, it's a good question, actually. I'm like... I should go back and look in my archives of where my like next clients were because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I they kind of drip dripped in really. But I think if I'd have taken the approach that you took, a bit more proactive, maybe might have got off the blocks but, a bit quicker. <laughs> yeah. Well, but what I find interesting is that when I look back, most of my clients have come via word of mouth, and they've or they've yeah. come from kind of bumping into somebody, and then they phone you out of the blue three years later and say, I yeah. met you at an event, and now we need you, can we have a conversation, rather than kind of that really active marketing and going out there, it's, it sort of comes from it. But then, because what I've been trying to do is trace back, like if I've got a referral or something, instead of recording that as a referral... Uh. It's like, where did I meet the person that referred me? Oh, that's, yeah. And for me, that's a lot of that's coming back to LinkedIn activity. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if for you it would come back to that first initial call, yeah. calling activity. Um, I'm, I'm really bad at doing that reflective work. And so whenever people talk about it, I think that's a really good idea. I should, should definitely do that. I'm just kind of plowing on and rather than thinking, why don't you go back and look at what worked and just do that again? Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to know if a lot of those referrals, even though they might have been second or third, what do you call it, generation yeah. or two, <laughs> referrals, yeah. maybe they want, it links all the way back to one of those first cold calling uh, yeah. Yeah. things. But yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I, I think that currently the highest downloaded podcast episode is uh, with a guy called Neil Edwards, who sort of does advocates picking up the phone and calling people and I think we called the episode uh, pick up the phone to more business this and is. somehow it's like yeah the download numbers are crazy <laughs> so, compared yeah. to everyone else's so it must strike a chord with people yeah. I think I, th I think I'm you know I much prefer that kind of that passive kind of content marketing kind of putting content out there and I, I still blog occasionally not as much as I used to but as you just kind of putting yourself out there quietly rather than taking that proactive thing of picking up the phone or sending people someone an email to say yeah, yeah. approaching somebody one-on-one -on -one rather than doing that slightly more passive way of doing it and putting do you think we have them. like is there some kind of um thing that we have where it's considered sort of more and if prestigious is the right word but that kind of thing to have to have got all your clients through passive marketing rather than sort of going out and you know, oh, being yeah. proactive about it. Because I sometimes get that impression, like people are like, yeah, I've never done any paid ads or anything. And then you <laughs> yeah. hear other people who've done paid ads and they're like, why aren't you doing paid they ads? Dance. Yeah, <laughs> I, d I don't know. I think, it, yeah, something flashed in my mind then and it, it kind of went straight back out again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's more... Yeah, it's more prestigious and more like, I'm really good at what I do. I don't need to market. I don't need to kind of yeah. go out there and phone people. They just come to me. And that's, yeah, I think I think that's definitely. But ultimately, probably no one cares. It's a bit like what you said about, you know, you put stuff out there and really at the end of the day, no one cares if you've done passive marketing. Yeah, exactly. Marketing, you you, you were there at the right time. You, you're sort of popped up at the right time for somebody. And they, yeah, yeah something yeah. about what, whether it was a paid ad or whether it was a piece of content marketing, it spoke to them and it meant something to them. And yeah. So yeah, that time when you when you when you transitioned, then you said you had to, you know, look at your income, and you, you sort of thought, right, it's just about doable, and everything. But it's a big step, isn't it? Yeah, and I think yeah, like yeah. now we look back. I mean, for you, it's nearly ten years yeah. ago, uh, I guess. But um, looking back, it's kind of easy to gloss over it, isn't it? And be like, yeah. And then I yeah. checked my numbers and went full time. But can you <laughs> like was, remember back to yeah. actually how it felt? I, and it was it was horrible. And that those first two or three years were really tough. Yeah. And I wasn't doing anywhere near enough marketing. I wasn't getting myself out there enough. Um, and it was hard. It was hard. And it was you know it was it was not much fun. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I think yeah something kind of 
kind of tripped a switch in me and there's okay you've got to get serious about this and right. you've got to be you can't this is this is no fun basically you kind of yeah. living on, living on the breadline <laughs> and it wasn't quite that bad but you know it wasn't <laughs> yeah. it kind, of, it kind of wasn't that dream of, feel a bit like that sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what what made you sort of push through then on the, in those when when you really weren't enjoying it and you know you said it wasn't much fun because like, <sighs> a lot of people would go oh this isn't much fun I'm gonna go and get a job now <laughs> it's, yeah so it was it wasn't much fun in terms of the results I was getting but definitely I knew that working for myself was was the only answer um right. and I that was definitely what I wanted to do um, why is that the, the lifestyle or the control or? I think the control yeah. and and knowing that whatever I did I could own that result so if it went really well I could own that result if it went really badly also, I had to own that result as well. There was there mm. was nobody, I, I wasn't depending on anybody else to to do it. Um, yeah. Okay. So you then, like that sort of yeah responsibility and like the buck stops here even yeah. when it goes bad. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I remember, I, but I, you know, I do remember thinking, okay, you've got to get got to get serious about this. You've got to admit that you are a copywriter and you need to go and <laughs> I, re- I remember making a conscious decision to go out and meet other copywriters and go to copywriting conferences and, mm-hmm. and kind of feel part of that community. And I think for me, that was when that was the real change for me was going out and feeling, feeling more part of a community rather than uh, okay. it's, it's interesting. You know, I like, I love working for myself, but you know, you can't, you can't, can't work in isolation and you get mm-hmm. so much more when you're part of a community mm-hmm. and you're going out there you, you know, feel like you kind of almost needed someone to tell you that you are a copywriter yeah I think that's definitely <laughs> it definitely it and I you know I remember doing some some mentoring and and essentially it was it is just that confidence isn't it to say like you are a photographer you are a mm. copywriter own that and go out there and be proud of it and yeah, yeah and I think that and then that once I'd kind of got that over that in my head it comes across in your personality as well. And when you're going out and meeting people, you're much less apologetic about what it is that you do. And you kind of go, actually, I, I can, I can, genuinely, I can help you here. And yeah. you're much more confident about, you know, owning your skill. Yeah, no, I remember that. I remember that stage really uh, vividly, actually. I remember, because I, I, um, I photographed a couple of events for Hay Wines yeah. to get a bit of experience sort of photographing events and that sort of thing. And uh, I remember one time some of the Jane's clients customers were coming in sit down and she said oh this is Dan he's a photographer and I was, I was like, like whoa oh, steady on <laughs> steady on well I'm not really I'm not really I might have a camera taking pictures but, but I'm, yeah. not, I'm, I'm really not you know, kind of thing. Yeah. that's I guess that's that apologetic bit that you mean yeah definitely yeah exactly that yeah and don't yeah don't call me a photographer crikey yeah no. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not really honestly yeah um okay and yeah, so also I guess you have to kind of lose, I don't know if it was the same for you, but you sort of have to lose your previous identity to an extent, and that can be a bit weird. Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember I used to talk, like my backstory used to be about how, you know, I was how I was employed and then I went freelance and then I went full-time copywriting. Mm. Um, and kind of thinking about this this interview today, I had to kind of really kind of dredge up you know, what did you do before? Because it feels like <laughs> for 10, this is what I do now. And I, you know, I run my own business and, and kind of remembering that. And, you know, that's what I do now. Not, this is an experiment that I'm going to try and see if it works. This is, yeah, this yeah. is me. And I've got my own business. So once you sort of decided to get a bit more serious with it, then of your marketing, you know, two or three years in and everything, uh, what, what, what kind of, what's happened since then? You know, what, what, what have you done with the business and, uh, so um, I mentioned at the start that food and drink was where I wanted to be. Um, mm-hmm. There's no money in food and drink marketing. And, and when, when you're a small artisan food business, the first thing you do is invest in design, not copy. And yeah. so I was that, that just, I quickly realized that right. I would have to, that would have to be a kind of side passion and I needed <laughs> to find something that would pay. Um, and I think one, one my, the way I write lends itself to, to B2B writing and kind of bringing it to life and making it more interesting and engaging than it, it sometimes can be. Right. Okay. And so it, it it kind of, that became the specialism over time, okay. working with, with B2B stuff. Um, and 
just sort of slowly finding my feet and working out what I enjoyed doing and what I didn't enjoy doing and right, what, okay. where I wanted to be. Um, and you sort of change your pitch along the way then to, yeah, to people. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and, and being more confident and saying I'm a B2B copywriter, that's what I do, uh, okay. rather than saying I'll if you'll pay me, to, I'll write anything you like for anyone you like and being, more, <laughs> being much more cheesy about it. I can offer most value when I'm working with a, a business-to-business type company. Okay, and so what, what are the differences in terms of the style of writing that you would say B2B compared to B2C? Because some people will say, well, the Bs are just Cs. I think that, that, <laughs> that is absolutely true. And it's, so you're not, it's, not, um, it's not pipping copywriting selling to Dan Barker studios it's Catherine selling to Dan so yeah you, you know you are talking to an individual at the end of the day but for the you know I work with um accountants and lawyers and kind of tech companies mm. and that decision to work with that particular company isn't down to one person it's down to there'll be a lots of decision making process that you'll need to go through and um and there's also that kind of fear of well, if we invest in this, if, if, I, if, my, if I make the decision to invest in this software, it could make or break my career if we put this software in across the right, business. Yeah. If it goes really well, then great. And if it goes really badly, everybody, my name will be attached to it. So there is that. Yeah. Um, it's, a much, it's a much more complicated sell, I think, that um, when, you're, when you are, you're talking to one person, but you're aware that the decision-making process is going to involve an awful lot of other people. Okay, got you. Yeah, and, and and there's and you know there's an awful lot more depth I think that you need to have available. So it's it's not an emotional purchase as a B two C purchase might be. It mm-hmm. is very much a okay. I I like the sound of this product, but we have to be absolutely sure that it's going to do what it is that we need it to do. So we are going to mm-hmm. need to know that that kind of technical background and, and right. kind of really drill deep into the the features of it to work out what it does and whether it will do what we need it to do. Yeah, and I suppose the people who are reading the copy and everything are thinking differently as well, yeah, aren't they? Definitely. Like that because yeah. they're all consumed with, you know, their business and running it and making sure, like you say, what they buy is going to be an investment and, and everything yeah. like that. Whereas a, a a consumer who's buying a an iPhone or something is thinking differently, aren't they? They just want to, yeah. I don't know, they want something that does the job that exactly, yeah. makes them look cool or something. Yeah. But. And then, you know, you might be talking to an engineer when you'll need to be really in-depth about the features and how they work and what they do. Whereas if you're, gonna, if you're selling that product to the financial officer, then you need to talk in much more kind of overarching terms of, you know, this. you don't have to worry about how this software works, but it is going to do X, Y, and Z for your business. Um, and right, those, those okay. kind of headline benefits, it's going to save you time or it's going to make you more productive or more efficient. That's the, you know, different different elements of the product. You have to kind of dial them up or down depending on who it is that you're talking to in that organisation. Okay, yeah, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Ridiculously. <laughs> but yeah, it does, does depend a lot who you're talking to, doesn't it? And so how will you know, though, if you write a blog post for a company, how will you know if it's targeted at... The engineers or the financial I'll, controller? I'll ask. That's the, the first thing I'll ask in a, okay. in a brief. If that's not in the brief, then that's the first thing I'll ask is who is this, who are we trying to target here? Right, okay. Um, and, and, and drill down to that specific person in the business uh, and even in in some instances kind of build up that persona of somebody. So, you know, this it's a it's a it's it's an account manager in a small business versus an account manager in a big business and, mm-hmm. and kind of really drilling down into the the target customer looks exactly like this. We need to tap into how they're feeling in this particular moment. Yeah, okay, got you. Yeah, it's uh, it's important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Uh, and where are you now with everything then? Uh, what's the sort of, how does the land lie and what's the plan going forwards? It's, um, I've just come out of my busiest, busiest couple of years I've ever had. Yeah. And so at the moment, and it's, it's quiet and down, just now which I'm kind of relieved about and and it's just the quietness has just been going for just on long enough that I'm thinking actually I want to get busy again now right okay need to get out there um I I mean it astonishes me that I've got to 10 years in business without really having ever had a plan as to (laughs) where it is what I want to do or where I want to go um and essentially it is I, I love writing and I love working for myself. And so I'm, I'm absolutely clear that the business is me and it's, it's extremely unlikely ever to be 
anybody more than just me and that's mm. that's the way I like it and I want it to be so it's I'm I'm at the stage now where I'm lucky that I have some you know I can look at a project and know that I'm not going to be the best copywriter for it and to be able to say I'm not going to be the best copywriter right. I can introduce you to somebody who is going to be better for you a better fit for you rather than feeling that need to take on everything and then deliver yeah. a job that nobody's happy with because I knew that I shouldn't have taken it on because it's not <laughs> it's not really the job job for me and the client isn't happy for, with it either so yeah that's a nice point to get to I think isn't it when you can turn down a job yeah based on yeah. the fact that you might it might not be the right one for you definitely uh, and well, kind of, you don't want to do it either. <laughs> <I suppose. laughs> yeah. at, at, the start of the, at the start of the pandemic, um, a, a group of copywriters, we kind of met each other at various networking events. Uh, we all got together and, to, and kind of formed a formed a kind of informal collective, as it makes it sound much fancier than it is. It was a yeah. WhatsApp group. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, we got together. We, we still get together every week on a Monday. We have a quick half hour catch up on oh, Zoom cool. and, and yeah. do that. And then what's really useful in there, we've got a load of different specialisms. And so we can say, I've got this job. I, I haven't got the capacity to take it on at the moment. Who else would like it? Or I've had this job come in and it's not for me. Would any of you guys like it? And Yeah, that's nice. And right. having that, uh, that kind of referral network and support network where you can... And it's, you know, it makes you feel better as well when you say to a potential client, um, rather than just saying, no, I can't help you, you can say, I can't help you, but I know somebody that can and kind of pass on that referral. Yeah, because the thing is, you're more likely to get a referral from that client that you've passed on, I think, because they know that you're... Definitely, yeah, you, you were as helpful as you could be. Yeah, yeah so that, if yeah. someone comes along who needs something that's in your area... Yeah, then, um, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So aside from like B2B, is there like a, a more specific kind of area that you would um it's them. it's fairly broad so i do manufacturing uh i do tech i do kind of professional services uh, mm -hmm. yeah all sorts of things yeah yeah okay and then will most people sort of hire you to do like a weekly or monthly blog or something like that is that how it works yeah so um it will be a mix of things so sometimes at there'll be a kind of one-off project we need a website written or we need a brochure written and yeah i can do that and then another it is that we are passively marketing ourselves. So we are doing lots of content marketing. So we yeah. need blogs and we need white papers and we need eBooks. And then that kind of comes in regularly. So I, I've got a mix of ad hoc projects and right, okay. I work with X line client on a Monday and Y client on a Tuesday regularly yeah, okay. ongoing. And how, like, how do you sort of, what's the pricing model for, you know, don't obviously give me figures, but like, what's the kind of, how do you price something like that? Because writing a blog post, Presumably, it could be quite varied because, like we said, there could be days of research yeah, yeah, yeah. involved, or it could be you interview one person and, and you write the blog post, which maybe I don't know could take a yeah, day or something. Yeah. But how how do you go about? It's, it? <laughs> so there's there's, um, there's several different ways of doing it, and I kind of do all of them depending on what's better. <laughs> so um, if it's say a blog post where you know, we, we've interviewed, they've, they've interviewed the client, they've, they've interviewed somebody and so you've got the transcript of that interview. Essentially, it's just writing that up. That's kind of, that's one thing, thing as you say. Mm. And then there's that very much more, you're going to need to go away and do the research. That's another, that would be, that would be a different price. Right. Uh, and then in some cases it will be a, we don't quite know what this thing is going to look like, um, yeah. but we do know that at the end of it, we want a white paper say and then I might charge on a on a day rate so because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to give a fixed price for something that then I assumed mm. it would take three days and actually it took 10 yeah and I yeah. end up being really grumpy by the end of the 10 days yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we'd say actually for both of us it will make more sense if everybody's going to be happy if we just charge this on a on a day rate rather than me coming back to you after three days and going well we're only 25 percent through the project <laughs> and um so I'm going to ask for more money and that you know that's not fair either on the client yeah, so you might sure. want to do it open-ended. Um, there is a another way of doing it is to say that um, a blog post is a different type of thing thing to say a, a website landing page where a website landing page its goal is absolutely to sell something, mm. um, whereas a blog post is to kind of support that selling process. That, mm -hmm. um, people when their people are doing their research they'll be kind of reading, reading up about various different things and that will kind of contribute to the selling process. So in terms of, so a landing page is kind of worth more to the business than a blog post is in that that landing mm. page could ultimately translate into tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of sale. Mm. So 
what you can charge for a landing page that is potential has that potential is is more than mm. a blog post that will just be a kind of coincidental bit of collateral. Mm. Um, so value pricing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you do you do, do you do that? Uh, yes, I sometimes, but m- most of my copywriting now is is kind of content writing. So yeah, right, less, okay. Uh, so you, yeah, so you'll just either estimate it or you'll do it on a day rate. Yeah, exactly. And we'll you know, have that conversation with the client and say, okay, well, here's what I suggest for this. Yeah, mm. it's quite nice hearing that actually because I often sort of get caught up with, oh, I need to have this pricing model. But you're, basically what you're saying is do any of them, whatever uh, yeah, works best no, for each, and each and I, case. You know, I, I read the same <laughs> things as you saying that you know people want that. I've got X package or Y package or Z package and, and yeah. it's price A, price B and price C. And then like so few people actually fit into that category of <laughs> I want, you know, I need I need X. And it's much, much more kind of open-ended in lots of cases. And so, yeah, I'd rather do that. Let's have a conversation and work out what it is that you need and we'll take it from there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's hard packaging things up, isn't it? I've tried to do it in the past and... It's, it's it works for some things like headshot sessions or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can be quite specific, but yeah, most of the time it's just <laughs> impossible. Yeah, isn't definitely. It? And then also, you don't want to tie yourself down to saying I've got I've, I've got a headshot package, I've got a product package, and I've got, a, mm. and then you end up thinking that's all, all you ever do is headshots or, or products. Yeah, Whereas I yeah. like that flexibility to say, yeah, let's we can write something different. We can write a, a staff handbook, or we can you know write a, a welcome pack for something, and that's not on a pricing sheet anywhere, but. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's look at what it might look like. So, um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to ask you about plans for the future again, but <laughs> kind of it seems like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got a solid business and it's supporting, you know, your lifestyle and yeah. everything. And that's um, that's perfect. I yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah I'm, I'm happy with it. I've just, um, with another copywriter that's part of this collective, we are, starting to get together every quarter so we, we can hold each other accountable. Right, I, okay, cool. I have a weekly catch-up with another copywriter in the group to, to okay. do those kind of weekly check-ins about what are we doing to market our businesses and, and make sure we're, we're carrying on and kind of pushing on and getting right, what we yeah. want to do rather than getting complacent about yeah, what it is that we're good. doing. And that's good. You, yeah, you've always got to be pushing for the next level, I think, haven't you, in some way? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Of, otherwise, you, you sort of... Definitely, and, I, you know, having said... You know the business has grown pretty much every year, uh, and I want that to continue. So it's yeah. you know how do I how do I facilitate that, and what am I going to do to carry on doing that and not end up plateauing? And yeah, um, yeah. I tell you what, I'd love to see the um, WhatsApp chat between a bunch of copywriters. It must be very <laughs> satisfying to read. It is. It is very satisfying, <laughs> and then we're often. It's it's also very funny in that we're often kind of. We're just almost chatting as we're working, and <laughs> autocorrect kicks in, and so we'll, <laughs> we'll send a message, and then it'll be like, "Oh no, that was supposed to read this instead." <laughs> and, and, and yeah, it's um, it's probably more more relaxed than you might imagine <laughs> in terms of the spelling, and the <laughs> and there's also probably a lot more swearing than you might think. <laughs> right, that's where it all comes. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, yeah, it's been been really interesting yeah thank, thank you. you for thank you again for coming in um hello pippin.co.uk mm-hmm. good website name i like that yes uh, i i've got it was originally it was pippin consultancy but that's an absolute nightmare to spell on the phone to people yeah, <laughs> so, when you read, yeah. so hello pippin is fairly straightforward yeah yeah and then um yeah you're you're, you're pretty active on the linkedin yeah. aren't you so uh, yeah that was a can... 2022 resolution get more active on LinkedIn. was it yeah what's your target <laughs> uh, i'd like to post three times a week Okay, um, where are you at? Uh, it's 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 drifting, I must admit. So I've got to get back out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool, excellent. Well, no, thanks very much, and um, thank you. No worries. I'll see you soon. See you soon. <laughs> You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show please head over to itunes and leave us a review it helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region thank you very much for your time listening i hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time